You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And uh, I'm excited that you are joining me today. It has been a little while since I've published anything, uh, especially an interview, and I apologize for that. I've been uh, a little bit hung up with all the things going on with uh, COVID-19 and uh, everything I'm building with my business, my other podcasts, um, the the business side of things, and of course, writing my book and getting that come together. And I want to give you an update on those things soon for anybody who is interested. Um, I'm also sharing an interview with you this week with my friend Bob Gentle. And Bob is a digital marketing expert. He lives over in Aberdeen, Scotland, and I met him at the Upreneur Summit in 2018, which is a conference hosted by Chris Ducker in London every November, uh, all about building your personal brand. And I was there in 2018 and 2019, had a great time. Uh, Bob was one of those just wonderful people that I met that we hit off uh, a great friendship. And uh, along with my friend, Lauren Davis, who uh, we have talked with and I've done a lot of work with and, and Lauren and Bob are good friends as well. And uh, Bob and I did a kind of a back-to-back two-part interview a few, a few weeks ago back in uh, mid to late February, way before the world completely changed. And in the interview, we talked a lot about uh, digital marketing, how to get good at building your online personal brand, using content marketing to build your brand and your business. So you're going to hear a lot about that. Um, I broke this into two parts. The first part is me interviewing Bob about his journey and his experience and his advice uh, for entrepreneurs who want to or people who want to build more of a personal brand online. And the second part is him interviewing me for his show, which is called Amplify, the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show. And uh, he published that interview already. You can go hear me on his podcast. Uh, It was released back in uh, March, I believe, March 9th. Uh, That episode is called Starving Your Fears to Build a Strong Personal Brand with Andy Storch, uh, which I love. And uh, I think we have a great discussion there. So I'm going to be releasing that in a couple days on this podcast as well. And I want to make a note to you. uh, You'll notice that in this interview, we talk about uh, planning for a trip that I had uh, planned for Scotland. I had some client work planned for Scotland in uh, March. And I was really excited because it was very close to where Bob lives. We were planning a whole weekend of kind of touring and sightseeing uh, right before the client work. And unfortunately, that all got canceled because of, you guessed it, coronavirus. Uh, Everything in my business has been postponed or put off for the most part, including all travel. And so I didn't get a chance to go hang out with Bob in person in Scotland. But uh, we did get to do this interview and share and exchange some really great ideas I hope they're helpful for you. I've got a few more great interviews coming for you, and then I want to change things up a little bit with this show, and um, I'll have more on that soon, Um, but it's going to support the book that I'm working on called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, For now, I remain obsessed and interested in with this idea of not only getting the most out of life, but building a personal brand, using content marketing to build a business and a brand, and that's what we're sharing this week in my interview with Bob. So I hope you enjoy this interview, part one of my interview with Bob Gentle. Bob Gentle, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you for having me. It's a very odd experience for me to be on a podcast rather than host one for a change. That's right. Yeah, you host your own podcast. Uh, I've listened to it a few times and uh, it's awesome to have you on here. Uh, and I uh, was honored that you invited me to be a guest on your podcast. And we've kind of just been chatting away without hitting record here. And I want to capture some of this stuff because I think, you know, when I think about people listening to my podcast, the Andy Stort Show, um, it's a lot of people like me who are trying to get the most out of life, uh, maybe build a business, build a personal brand. Uh, and I feel like you were in that boat. Uh, you and I met at the Upreneur Summit uh, that Chris Ducker runs in London, uh, I think in November 2018. And then we spent a lot of time together again uh, last year in 2019, um, probably brought together by our good friend, Lauren Davis, who uh, we, we both love and admire. And um, she's been on uh, your podcast, she's coming on mine soon. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were just talking about all the things we have in common and the things we've done well and that we also regret in building our personal brand business. And so I want to get into some of that. Um, uh, but before we do, maybe we just start with a little bit of your background because you've, you've made some big pivots. You've got experience as a, as a digital marketer and, and building a big business and then kind of starting over and running your own smaller thing and helping smaller businesses. So, uh, just give me a little bit of your, your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, I have run my own business for a long time. I think I've been running my own business 15 years, something like that. Um, and it hasn't always been an easy journey, but I wouldn't really have done it any other way. I, I did for a brief period have the opportunity to work in somebody else's company. And honestly, it was the most unpleasant time I've had for a very long time. But that said, go back maybe four or five years, I was running quite a large digital agency and it took quite a long time to build up. And like lots of business owners, you start with what you think the plan is and it's what the plan everybody tells you it should be. Um, and that's sort of scale up, add lots of bodies. But what that led to was I had a very big beast to feed every month. Um, and as a digital agency, a large proportion of our business was generated through selling and servicing websites predominantly. And for me, that really just became a hamster wheel of pain because I had to be out selling all the time, finding sort of $20,000 worth of new work every month. And I did not enjoy it at all. And I think lots of business owners in that situation can look at their business and go, well, I could sell it. But the reality is in the creative sector, agencies don't really have any inherent value. The value is in the recurring order book. And most digital agencies don't have much of a recurring order book. So there was no resale value in that business of any significance. So I started looking at, well, what do I want? And what is my unique value and how can I connect what I want and my value with somebody who actually really needs it? And it's the last three or four years have really been iterations of trying to answer that question. Um, we moved entirely out of the website business almost overnight. My staff were not happy, but they weren't there very long either. Um, and we allowed the digital marketing side of the business to then blossom because that was my real passion, I suppose, if you can be passionate about digital marketing. Um, but more importantly than that, for me, it was 
that was the thing that I knew was going to have an impact on the business owner's life. It wasn't a big fancy website. It's what's connecting you with your potential customer uh, and helping you get closer to your dreams. So we worked with a lot of customers and what I found repeatedly was it was very easy to sell. Digital marketing is easy to sell because most small business owners will tell you, okay, I'm in pain. I don't like this. Digital marketing is a problem for me. I see everybody else doing it. I'm not doing it. So please take that pain away from me. And then they will give me money. And I did this for a little while, but what I found was because they weren't invested in the process, it didn't work. So I would, I would win the customer for a little while. We would do the obvious things for a while, but very quickly, I would have to say, look, you know what, unless you're willing to inject yourself into this, we're not going to get anywhere. Because if you can imagine a, a small electrical contractor with maybe 50 people, it's quite a big electrical contractor. But if all you can do is we want a new job, we want a new job, we want a new job on social media, that gets tired really quickly. It's the people that make a business shine. And if the people won't participate, yeah. Yeah. it's for nothing. So now my criteria is um, if you're not willing to participate, you're not going to be my customer. And my business has really shifted more. And it's taken a lot of work to get it there because it's very tempting to go down the, the painkiller route. But my business is selling vitamins. Mm. And if you don't want to take your vitamins, go somewhere else. Yep. So I work with corporates and that tends to be where I'm working on the strategic layer and then helping their own team do the implementation or I'm working with small to medium sized businesses where I'm working as a, almost like a hybrid coach, um, trainer and technical support layer. So we provide the, the technical backup to things like AdWords and Facebook ads where it isn't really productive or practical for the small business owner to be doing that. No. Um, but they should be doing their own social media. They should be doing their own content development. Mm -hmm. We just fill in the gaps for them. And then the part of the business I'm most proud of now, which is really, for me, it's the core of the business. It's the future of the business. Um, and where I'm personally most invested is working with the micro businesses that can't commercially afford to work with an agency. Right. Where they, where we're working with them really as a group. So it's group-based coaching for micro-business owners. And again, that's almost entirely driven through helping them build their own personal brands. Um, so I've taken a very long route round to answering your question. But yeah, for me, personal branding has become the heart of my business. Yeah. Um, mainly for people for whom it's an alien concept. Mm. But, and it's so important. And, and you and I both study this and we follow Chris Ducker. We met at the Upreneur Summit. So obviously we're both really into it and we see the importance of it. And I've talked about it on the, on the podcast, maybe not even enough, uh, how all businesses need to be thinking about that, but especially small, smaller businesses and personalizing things. Uh, so there's such a huge opportunity for you to help others with it. And I totally get what you're saying about, uh, you know, the businesses they've got to be willing to participate and get involved. You can't just put this cold marketing stuff out there all the time. People are not going to care, right? They have to be involved mm -hmm. in it. Really kind of should be doing it. I was talking to somebody recently who was saying like, oh, it's cool you do all that stuff. I'd like to just, you know, hire that out. 
And I'm a big fan of, I follow uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. I've talked about a lot on this and, and he talks about this all the time and says as a business owner, like it's cool if you're going to hire a digital marketing agency or whatever, but you need to know how to do that stuff yourself yeah. and inject yourself as a person into that brand. Otherwise people never really will connect with you. And then it's easy for them to just go along and buy something from somebody else. I think Gary Vaynerchuk's a great example. And one of the things he said was that every business should be 80% whatever they do for money and 20% media company. Mm -hmm. But that 20% media company, you can't subcontract. You can't delegate it. It has to come from inside to be successful. And he's, a, he's the perfect example. I mean, if you could delegate it, if you could subcontract it, you wouldn't see Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and certainly he wouldn't be seeing the results he sees. Yeah. And to be fair, and, and he, he talks openly about the whole process. Like he has a whole team of people who are producing content for him now, uh, you know, editing all his videos and stuff like that, but it's still all him. And he is still the one I think who physically hits post on almost every single one of them, whether it's on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever it is. And he's in a lot of videos and he's still, and he's running. And for anybody who says, Oh, I don't have time for that. He's running a company with a global company with a thousand employees and he's the CEO and, and, and he knows all of them. Like he's very big into personal connection and relationships and empathy and he's meeting with clients and he's the one who's hitting posts and commenting and liking and stuff. Oh, and he has his text community now, which I'm in and like I've responded to him a couple of times and he's actually sent me a text back with my name and everything. Like he's I have incredible. Heard of this. Yeah. It's incredible what he does. Uh, and I think it's a good example of like, A, you need to do this and B, um, you have no excuse. Like you're not busier than him. Nobody is. Yeah. Right. I think something that I've found with personal branding and for me, it's been a difficult journey because I'm quite a shy, introverted person and yeah. I really struggle with stepping out front. Um, and every day is a challenge for me in that regard. I have to make myself do it. Um, I forgot where I was going to go with this, but just to throw, well, you know, we were going to talk, we were starting to talk about some of the struggles, things that we, we should have done, didn't do, mm -hmm. um, where fear maybe has held us back. And then, you know, you talked to, you were starting to talk a little bit about how you, it's interesting because you're in this business and you coach other people how to do it and you know, you need to do it, but you also struggle with it because of the fear or the anxiety or the, you know, shyness, whatever it is. I, that's for me, that's been one of the most interesting things, particularly with the groups, because with most of my clients, the, the larger ones, they are quite happy to be told they're not really watching what I'm doing. Yeah. But with the smaller clients in the groups, they're absolutely looking at what I'm doing. Of course. And if I'm going to be delivering with any integrity for them, I have to walk the walk. Yeah. For me, that's been fantastic Yeah. Uh, because they are collectively have become a tremendous accountability group for me. Yeah. Um, it pushes you to, to yeah. do that stuff, to show up and do the things that you're advising other people on. Uh, there's no excuse, right? Just like you don't want uh, to hire a personal trainer who doesn't work out. Um, you know, they, they don't want a, someone advising them on digital marketing who doesn't practice any of this stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think certainly we you were talking about the struggles and the challenges. Yeah. For me, imposter syndrome has been a huge one yeah. because the world that I step into, as soon as you go online and the people that we network with, mm -hmm. there are some big hitters. Yeah. And immediately you compare yourself with them. 
Of course. Um, and big hitters or, or people who pretend to be, right? You don't really know. Exactly. You don't know. You can never tell on. the difference. Yeah. Um, and something, uh, what was her name? You remember the Youpreneur Summit last time? Yeah. Not this most recent one, the one before. There was the lady who was talking about her sort of marketing business around the dental practice. What was that called? Oh, yes. I do remember that presentation. I went back and I took the info and I sent it to my dentist, actually. And I was like, hey, yeah. you should look at the stuff that this, this woman is doing because she's helping dentists make money. There was something she said, which was, there's nothing new in in whatever you do. Um, but your people want to hear it from you. Mm. And that really struck a chord with me that just because Chris Tucker said something, Gary Vaynerchuk right. said something, right. doesn't mean it's new. Yeah. It doesn't mean my people don't want to hear from me. Right. And it's such a simple thing, but that for me was quite a freeing thing that you don't have to be improving on things. Mm. You can simply yeah. be, there's universal truths in everything. Right. There's right. universal truths in talent development. There's universal truths in cycling. There's yep. universal truths in interior design. It's the same in marketing, yep. but everybody brings a different facet of that or projects it through a different lens and yeah. people receive it differently. Totally. And that's why personal brands are so important because your people want to hear it. Yeah. And until you show up, you, your people aren't even there. Um, yeah. That's, I guess what I mean in that is, I guess this is coming to another thing that's really helped me. Um, which is, is something Russell Brunson said. Be familiar with Russell Brunson? Sure, ClickFunnels. Yeah. Um, in one of his books, he talks about. Again, this is coming back to the universal truths of personal branding. Yep. One third of people are not going to like you. That's just a fact. One third of people are not going to care at all, and one third of people are going to love you. And the more you bring of yourself, the more those numbers grow, but the proportions remain constant. The proportion that love you will be silent a lot of the time. The proportion that hate you might become quite vocal. Yeah. You need to take that as a signal that the proportion that love you are also there. Yeah. Um, but know that those, that rule of thirds is a constant. It's, it's always there. Um, and again, for me, that's very freeing. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said that I've never actually heard that. And yet I have actually had that in my mind. Uh, I don't know if I've defined it that specifically, but I've thought about that so many times when I post content on social media and I'm always trying different stuff and trying to figure out what works and trying to share authentically and that sort of thing. But I've always had it in my mind that like, I'm putting this out there for the 25% or one third of the people who, who follow me need this and love this. There are going to be some people, a lot of people who just don't care. And I always know there are people who see my stuff and roll their eyes. They're like, oh my God, he, I, that guy saying that stuff again, ridiculous. And then I always have to remind myself, well, if they don't like it, they can unfollow me, right? They don't have to read my content. Just like I don't have to follow all their content. And I've unfollowed a lot of stuff that I'm like, nah, don't need this. Don't want it. Um, you're in, people are in control. Hmm. So I think a lot of people hold themselves back. So they're like, oh, you know, people are going to think this or that about me or be annoyed or or whatever, but I mean, you're not forcing yourself on anybody and you know, you get to create your brand in your own 
image, you're going to have a reputation whether you want it or not. So why not be, you know, why not be more intentional about that? And then I've just seen, you know, in being intentional about putting content out there and, and building my personal brand, so many benefits that have come from that. Just this week, uh, a woman uh, from the UK who I met uh, through a different group that uh, Jessica Lorimore runs uh, in, uh, for corporate, people selling to corporate, uh, just sent me a referral this week for a speaking gig. And I got it. The, the woman I got on the phone, no questions asked, hired me for a paid speaking gig because of the referral. And it came from this woman that I met through that group. And it's because she sees all my content and knows what I do. And she figured I'd be a good fit for this. If I hadn't been doing all that, I wouldn't get it. I think that's, that's right. I mean, I was thinking about this before we started speaking and something that struck me. I mean, I, we mentioned very briefly at the beginning, I, I have a podcast and I did that quite intentionally because I wanted to take my business in a particular direction. And yeah, that didn't happen because what happened when I started the podcast was I started reaching out to people who were the best in the business, real big hitters, A-list people, people that I would choose to spend time with if I could. Mm -hmm. um, every time I did that, I learned something new. These yep. people have become my mentors, my trainers, my coaches, and my business and my understanding of what's possible has transformed. And it started as the first steps on a personal branding journey. But that personal branding journey never stops at just being a personal branding journey because it will, by definition, become a journey of self-discovery. And I don't know, you ever play these computer games where everything's dark, you start moving around and the light sort of comes around you and then you move again and the light sort of grows. And yeah, it's a bit like that. You don't know what you don't know. And until you start moving, you won't know. But as soon as you start moving, all the potential kind of falls in place. Yeah. And how, how long have you been running your podcast? Oh, 18 months, something okay. like that. And it's called um, Amplify Insiders, right? It's the, the the Amplified Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show. It's quite a long name. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, there's a Facebook group, which is Amplify Insiders. Yes, which I'm in. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's the best thing I've ever done. And again, it was done as a strategic thing. Right. Me thinking I'm being clever and tactical is part of building a personal brand. Mm -hmm. But so much more than that. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing is when you start taking action, everything coalesces to support you. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like the alchemist. Uh, we would never have spoken otherwise. And no. Well, it's the same. I have the same story. I mean, three years ago, I started my first podcast, uh, The Entrepreneur Hot Seat, which uh, eventually changed into The Andy Stewart Show. And that podcast, I had a vision. I thought I was going to use that. I would have some kind of big name entrepreneurs on just to interview them. And then I'd have smaller time entrepreneurs on and I would use that to hopefully get them as coaching clients or something like that. And um, that never really happened. But what did happen is I started meeting so many interesting people and building my network and also finding my voice and starting to build a personal brand and then ended up going to conferences like Youpreneur Summit, like you said. Um, but then it gave me the confidence and the idea to start my second podcast, the Talent Development Hot Seat, which I have used very strategically to meet prospective clients and influencers in the corporate talent development space, which has helped me build my business, you know, eventually turn into a conference and all that stuff. Um, it's so same thing. It didn't end up being what I thought it was going to be, but so many opportunities came from it because we took action. Yeah. 
I, th I think in addition to that, there's personal branding. And I think when you, I, I say personal branding, yep. it's a little bit, it, it could so easily be a cliche. Yeah. Um, but what do you understand? Have to, anybody listening has to understand is it's not simply about personal branding as a process. I look at it almost as a movement that it's not just about you and your personal brand, but it's about giving yourself permission in many respects to run a lifestyle business, which the corporate world will often look at and go lifestyle business. You can't sell that. Mm, it's yeah. about leveraging productization of your own knowledge in lots and lots of different ways. Um, and again, once you start this journey of walking down the personal branding road and meeting the people who are on that journey as well, which is quite important, you'll start to hopefully look at what you thought your business was going to be and give yourself permission to look at, well, maybe it could be something else Yeah, because it's only when you start moving again that you start to uncover that potential, not just in who you can be or who you can present yourself as, but actually your value may be somewhere completely different from where you thought it was. Well, I want to ask you about that because uh, first of all, I see so much value in being able to pivot and move quickly and say, Hey, this isn't working, but maybe I should try this. And I think we both have probably seen benefits from that and seen how that's worked well for other people. And so many people get stuck thinking, Oh, I've I decided to do this. I've got to stick with this. Um, I've also, you know, learned from following Chris Ducker and reading his book and his podcast and everything that, you know, he always says the personal brand is the last business you ever need to build because you can always pivot into anything and yeah. people will follow you there. Um, I'm curious because before we were, started recording, you were telling me a little bit about your journey recently because you started that podcast. It didn't quite end up being what you thought it was going to be. Um, you've made a little bit of pivot. You've also given a lot of time reflection into what is your niche. And we always hear it's so important to have a particular niche. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that because I think that's something a lot of people can learn from and your, your decisions and your mistakes and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I'll try and fast forward to, so not repeat everything that I told you, yeah. but I'd mentioned earlier that I was running what was effectively a very large web design business. And then almost overnight killed it because I didn't want to be doing all that sales all the time. Um, and so we were moved away from running the kind of business where you have to be constantly replacing your customers to the kind of business where it's retainer based and you just have to keep your customers. And as a consequence of that, I met a few of my former competitors and there was one guy in particular who was my nemesis for many years. And I met him one day and we got talking and I realized I had a ridiculous amount in common with this guy. Um, at the time I was doing Coast Guard search and rescue work. He was a retained firefighter. He surfed, I surfed with the same age. His proper best friend material. And yet for most of my adult life, if you put me in a room with him and turned the lights off, he wouldn't have come out alive. <laughs> so that really was a profound lesson for me that the people I have most in common with and probably get on most with yeah. are the people who would always have been my competitors. Mm. So I started running some networking events as a consequence of that for my traditional competitors and I loved it. But what I realized was the majority of them were making a quarter of the money I was making. Yeah. 
They didn't really know what they were doing. They couldn't really put the whole digital marketing mix together because they were busy with a silo um, within the, the mix. So I thought, you know what, I can easily build a coaching business around this. I can't bring myself to say niche because I'm from the UK, so I'll say niche. Um, <laughs> I can build a business around this. So I started the podcast with that being the intention. But what I learned through the podcast was what I really wanted to do, um, which was bring my own unique value to the people I felt needed it most. Mm. And that wasn't my competitors because they can get that other places. Yeah. But the people who really needed it were the micro business owners. And more than that, a lot of the time, the micro business owners who weren't the ones busy sort of with their camera up on LinkedIn or Facebook, it's the ones who couldn't bring themselves to do it. And a lot of the time they're not digital natives. So they, they can't just go and look at a YouTube video on how to do a Facebook ad and just do it. So out of that came the coaching groups for the micro businesses. But still, I was feeling quite schizophrenic, probably for the last two years. And well, am I the guy who does the digital marketing agency coaching thing? Or am I the micro business guy? Right. And the micro business guy just felt like being another general digital marketing guy. And I really couldn't square that circle and decide who am I showing up as? And the, one of the important things with personal branding is you need to be the guy who does the thing. And so I really spent a long time recently, very recently, probably between now and November thinking, well, what's that going to be? I need to make a decision. And I asked my peer group, okay, what's my niche? And you, you saw that up on Facebook. Yeah. And some people assumed it was what I said it was and what the podcast looked like it was about. Which is building a personal assumed, brand and reputation, right? People believe that your niche is what you've been saying that you do. Yeah. Um, but I was quite schizophrenic about it. So somebody said, well, this group might be really into what you're talking about, but do they pay you? And the answer was no. The people who mm -hmm. pay me are the people, and not just pay me because I sell them, the people who climb over me to pay me are the micro business owners that aren't going to have access to an agency. Mm. And those are actually the people I get most fulfillment out of working for. So that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. And you told me before we started recording too, that you decided that uh, you weren't choosing a specific niche, but you were focusing on this group of people, which is your niche. Um, but you're not necessarily defined by only web design or digital marketing or something like that. You're helping them with probably all things marketing, right? Exactly. This, this was a thing that struck me just the other day that I, I, I remember speaking to somebody at Upreneur and she was, she was talking about um, niching. She said, I don't know what my niche is. I don't know what my niche is. Now, she was an incredible person. And my response to her was, you are your niche. You just need to be yourself and people will mm -hmm. be drawn to you. But the people who want you. Yep. And I never applied that to myself. And that's really where I've come to is, okay, I need to not pretend to be this guy or this guy. I need to just really lean into who I am, give myself permission to be introverted, give myself permission to be shy. Mm -hmm. Actually take people on my journey. You know, when you were learning maths in school, uh, the teacher would always say, show your workings. Yeah. That's what I, I'm going to do. Um, or that, that's what I try and do now. Yep. Um, 
and that's been really liberating that and you it's really led me to think well gary vaynerchuk doesn't have a niche hmm. uh, uh, duct tape marketing joe stanch doesn't have a niche um uh, lots of people don't have a niche their niche is really themselves yep and those people attract a particular tribe right um and you're a great example of that as well in many respects yep. you work across lots of areas yeah um but if andy storch never showed up where would you be yeah um yeah the interesting thing is and and i've struggled with plenty of stuff too is that I have built a business in the corporate talent development space while also building kind of a personal brand in the personal development space, whatever you want to call it with the Andy Stewart show and showing up to conferences and all the stuff I do. I've never taken advantage of that. Um, never monetized that never, you know, tried to host masterminds or events or anything in a long time. And I think about it more and more, but then I still also have the same fear and imposter syndrome. Like, well, what if I put that out there and people are like, Oh no, it was cool following you, but like I don't want to pay you money because you're you're not an expert. And half the time, I talk about all the other experts I follow, like Gary Vee or Chris Tucker. So why don't they just go follow them instead of following me? Right? You see, that's that for me is is really weird, but actually very affirming mm. because I saw you post on Facebook. I'm thinking about running a mastermind in London. Yeah, my response was, and he's an amazing guy. He inspires me. Maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah. Um, oh, dang, I shouldn't have admitted this. Now you're not going to come. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was looking for a freebie. That's why I didn't say anything. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, the more you bring yourself, the more the people who really want the value that you'd show up with will be drawn to you. Mm -hmm. And different people have different value. And it's, yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it's just the physics of personal branding. It's one plus one equals two. Yep. We've talked a little bit about your own limitations, um, imposter syndrome, fear, that kind of stuff. You work with a lot of business owners who are trying to figure this out, who you know, know they need to do this digital marketing, personal brand, that sort of thing, but maybe they're not, they haven't, they don't know what to do. They're probably holding themselves back. What are the, what's the biggest fear or limiting beliefs you see that are really holding business owners back from growing? There's probably two main ones. Um, video is the thing that scares most people the most and i spend a little bit of time working out a framework to help people become comfortable with it and i worked it out as a framework because i needed it um it's not my natural comfort zone so the journey that i try and take people on there is comfort zones are like a muscle mm -hmm. and they're quite elastic but elastic when it's cold it doesn't really like to expand yeah so we need to start working those muscles um and with video the way i encourage people and also the way i do it is okay let's start off with something really easy so let's not try with any social media video but maybe where you would have texted somebody maybe before yeah. that even this zoom call Many of my clients have never even done a Zoom call. They've never seen themselves on a screen. Oh, okay. It's that, yeah, that profound. It's that fresh for them, yeah. So maybe start where you would have made a phone call. Let's start using Skype or Facebook yeah. uh, Messenger video chat. Right. Just so you get used to looking in a camera, talking to a camera. Right. 
Now that moves quite quickly. The next step is, okay, maybe where you would have sent a text message. Let's see you commit something recording a video of yourself and send that as a video message rather than a text message. Yeah. Because you have to commit to actually recording, sending it, somebody else is going to watch in their own time. Mm -hmm. Now for you and I, that sounds really basic. Yeah. But actually that's quite a psychological threshold for somebody to cross who's never done it. Sure. Yeah. But it's much, much easier than quickly shooting a video and posting it on Facebook. Right. Yeah. So the next step in the baby steps towards video marketing, which is really the gold standard for anybody, uh, would be, um, where would you go from there? Maybe something like, and actually I'm in, I would say live video, but when I work with my groups, each group has its own Facebook group. So there's a safe space for people yeah. to practice. Yeah. So you can go live into a Facebook group Right. from there, maybe onto Instagram or yeah, Facebook Live. I would think live video is probably the last step, right? So there's the one-to-one, then maybe posting well, a video in a small group, and then maybe on wider social media before you're willing to go live. Well, what I've found is actually the live is easier really? because they don't have to worry about editing. Mm. And people don't expect it to be polished. They don't expect right. sharp cameras. They don't expect good lighting. They don't expect right. good audio. Right. So it gets them comfortable with, okay, it's done. The, the plaster is torn off. Yeah. Then posting something that's going to stay there or something that you've actually had to upload yeah. and save. Right. Yeah, because then and people from, are going to be like, oh, they had time to edit this and this is what they came up with. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's People have high expectations of produced video. By the way, and note on that for anybody who is afraid of posting video and people judging them, and I've done a lot of it, uh, twice in the last week, I have posted a video where I did some quick editing myself and added like a headline and posted it with a misspelled word in the headline twice in the last week. And I'm not dead, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. plenty of people, I'm sure that third of people looked at it and were like, oh, that guy's an idiot but somebody else liked it and appreciated it, right? I think this is another thing that everybody's, not everybody, there are some weirdos who are not, but we all suffer from perfectionism to an extent. Yeah. And as soon as you feel you need to start editing I don't, that's my problem. But anyway, go on. <laughs> as soon as you feel you need to start editing something, yeah. you're never going to publish it right. if you're in any way self-conscious. Yeah. Because, and I, this is, from somebody who works in the creative industries, um, I, I have a I have a client that's a design agency, and they won't publish anything on their portfolio because by the time they're finished that piece of work, they can't look at it anymore. They hate it. All they can see are its, its flaws, and it's the same with video. By the time you've edited a video, you you're really embarrassed by it, the way you look, which is why I think live is just that much easier Yeah, as a, as a first okay. step. I can see All that. the perfectionism, you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, but by the time people have been through that process, they very quickly become quite comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, it's like anything um, else. You're terrified yeah. of it. Uh, and then you start doing it because as I learned, I've talked about this many times, I learned from one of my friends, um, Larry Yach. 
that fear is nothing more than a perceived lack of control. And it comes from having no experience doing something, but as you do it more, it builds experience, which builds confidence. And then, you know, then you become someone like us or like me, I post videos all the time. And there's still some times where I'm like, oh, should I be posting this? But for the most part, I have no problems throwing a video up on social media yeah, because I've done it I, so much. I am much more comfortable with it now yeah. because I know who I'm for. And I think for a lot of people, this is the other thing yeah. is they, if I ask who's your ideal customer, they'll very, they'll very quickly say, well, there's, there's this ideal customer, then there's this ideal customer and there's this ideal customer. Yeah. And they're all completely different. So as soon as you're coming with content, who's it for? Um, and that can paralyze people. So really focusing in on, okay, there's lots of maybe customers, but who's your gold standard customer? Who's the life-changing customer? That's who their content should all be for. Yeah. Um, and you'll, you'll pick up the others with a halo effect. Um, yep. You I said think... there were two big fears or limiting beliefs that hold entrepreneurs back. We talked about video. What's the other one? Um... <laughs> Do you remember now? Oh, I, I'll come to it. Okay. Another limiting fear. Comparison, mm, I would yeah. say. Yep. I remember there was, I had an accountant in a group and we were talking about video marketing again and mm -hmm. she sat bolt upright and she said, I know this accountant. He posts videos on LinkedIn. They're terrible. And I knew who it was straight away because it's a small town. Um, and I asked in the room, okay, everybody in the room, and there was about 10 people, how many of you can name another accountant that isn't in the room and isn't the person that I think she's talking about? And no hands went up. Okay. And how many people in the room know who this accountant is? And most of the hands went up and I said, how many people is it because of those, that video? and all the hands went up so who's winning so she wasn't doing any video because she was comparing it to this guy and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not really articulating this properly but comparing yourself with perfection and comparing yourself with competitors mm -hmm. it does nothing to serve you especially in the personal branding world yeah because or why, or why should i even jump in the game because these other people in my space are already doing it so well i'm not as good as them Exactly. And it really comes back to you do you, your people want to buy from you. Yeah. And if they can't discover you, whose fault is that? Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. Um, there is hard. an audience out there waiting for everybody. Totally. And there's a hard, just, it, there's a, there's a fine line balance distinction, whatever it is um, that I've struggled with a lot, but I've, I think I've probably leveraged it better than others, which is to follow people doing things really well and try to just learn and be inspired by them, but, and not also get down and be, you know, comparing myself to them. And the, the example, great example is, uh, you know, I'm LinkedIn is, you know, we all have to pick a platform. We haven't talked about platforms, but LinkedIn is my primary platform. I'm on there all day, every day in my B2B sales. And I've been posting content on LinkedIn almost every single weekday for over two years. It's been my goal. 
And um, I've been these like engagement groups, these engagement pods, you know, that people have where we kind of support each other. And there's some people that post really great content with great engagement. And it's hard not to compare all the time with like, oh, wow, that's a really great post. Oh my gosh, he's gotten like 60 comments in the first two hours. I never get that. How mm -hmm. the heck, you know, do they do that? And I catch myself all the time and I have to stop and be like, okay, well, what can I learn from them? Right? Like, what is he doing well that I can learn from? And if there's nothing, and he's maybe he's just in a different space. Like, so who cares? You know, my audience is not as engaged as his audience, whatever, but I still have to keep putting stuff out there because to your point about the accountant, the more I do, even if it's not as good as the others, just by being there and showing up and people seeing it, they're going to know who I am. I think there, is an, there are a couple of other things that spring out of that for me. Uh, to come back to the limiting beliefs um, for a moment, that one is that it's difficult. Yeah. That, that's a big one. Yeah, it's People a lot of work. think digital marketing and the immediately, the analogy I often use is if I walk into a railway control room, they just, I just see a wall full of buttons and levers. I have no <laughs> yeah. idea what to do. Right. And my, that's how my customers feel about digital marketing. Mm. So straight away, yeah, there's a room full of levers, but you only need to worry about two right now. Yeah. So just make sure you're pulling those consistently. The other thing that really comes out of what you just said was, I often use an analogy when I talk about a business community and pods are a good example of this that they're a little bit like a pack of wolves or any wild animal really, where they will go out of the way to support an animal that they see as strong. Um, and when you see somebody getting lots of engagement on social media, a lot of the time there's some of that going on as well, that they have a community of people who defer to them and want to be seen as supportive. And a lot of the time that same community will go out of its way to shun anything that they see as weak and so a lot of the time, by moving the conversation to focusing on coming across as confident, not really worrying about what other people are doing, you will gradually become that strong animal or the perceived strong animal that will very quickly start receiving that kind of support. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a sad analogy. Right. Um, but it, it's just, again, it's basic human right. nature, physics of the online space. It's funny, um, right? And you don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. People have these, like I'm in three different engagement groups, right? And people supporting each other. A lot of people don't have that. And they just see people commenting. They're like, man, how's he get so much engagement? Yeah. Um, I know when Lauren Davis was on your podcast, she talked about, you guys talked a lot about Instagram and she said people do that on Instagram too. I do Instagram, but I don't, I'm not that worried about it. So I'm not in any kind of thing like that. But I'm sure that happens too. And then people are like, wow, how do people get so much engagement? Um, and there's also the factor of time. Like some people, that's a big part of their business and they might spend three to four hours a day crafting, creating content, going out, asking other people to comment. And other people, like I'll often just throw something up there for 30 seconds and then move on to something else, right? And because I've got other things that I need to do. I think as well, my, my clients often, they're at the very early stages. They're just really dipping their toes into social media in particular. And they can very quickly be downhearted when a post that they feel like they've invested a lot in falls flat. Nothing. Yeah. Great. And I just have to tell them, you know, sometimes it's just the internet weather. It's not right. you. It's yeah. not other people. It's just, it wasn't the right time or there were other things going on in people's lives. Yep. You just have to roll with it. Or, or sometimes people see it and they just don't react or engage. 
and they may still be seeing it. Like I posted that thing the other day about running a mastermind in London. I got hardly nothing on there. And here you are talking about how you saw it. A bunch of other people saw it and probably thought like, oh, that's cool. He's doing that. Yeah. And this is the important thing. And I, I say this to customers all the time. Just because you're not getting a response doesn't mean you're not having a, having an effect. Right. Um, that's very powerful. I regularly have people coming up to me and saying, I see you all the time on LinkedIn, on mm -hmm. Instagram. Well, you never comment on my stuff. You right. never like it. Yeah, I've gotten that too. you're having that effect. Most people, a surprising number of people are scared to interact with social media. They are. Not to, um, not just post, but like even to comment. Like people have told me I'm not the kind of person who comments on things and they'll send me direct messages. They're like, hey, I saw your post. Or even hit the like button. Yeah. I, I have clients who are running multi-million pounds businesses who yeah. don't know what's going to happen when they click the like button. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or they don't want a paper trail, a digital trail, where, do they, where they've been, which actually on LinkedIn, I don't know if anybody thinks about it, but you know, you can go to anybody's LinkedIn profile and look at their activity. You can see everything they've liked and commented on. So I've never really cared about that, but certainly somebody could be worried about that and be like, oh, people see, because then you see how much I'm on there, et cetera. So maybe you're just looking. It's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Um, they, they don't know what the consequences of their actions are going to be. So yeah. they take no action, but they're still observing. There's a, there's a I would say 90% of digital marketing um, social media participants are entirely consumers. They're not yeah. engaging yeah. with the platforms in any way. And right. you can't discount those people as ha having consumed your content just yeah. because they don't engage. Yeah, I agree. You know what? A friend of mine, um, a good friend of mine, uh, he called me the other day. He's in his 50s. Um, he's so, you know, certainly not a digital native. He doesn't do a lot of social media. He's been running a consulting business for many years that didn't require anything with social media. Uh, but now he wants to build this kind of personal brand business to help uh, men in their 50s kind of get their bojo kind of back as to, <laughs> I don't know, to put it in, in my words. Um, and so he called me to ask me like, how do I get past these limiting beliefs about social media? Because I hate it. I don't want to do it. And so I was kind of coaching him on it. And I was like, look, it's 2020. Like, you just have to be there, first of all. You know, it's, it's, it's the name of the game. Second of all, it's where everybody is. Uh, and, and we got to this point where he said, well, you know, all these other people are already doing it. So isn't it kind of crowded? And, you know, to your point, I said, number one, everybody's consuming content. Like there just can't be enough, right? I, I, I go places now and I look around and I see people on their phones and not in a cynical, critical way. I just observe and go, wow, everybody's consuming content everywhere. So why shouldn't I be creating something for them to consume, mm. right? Like they want content to consume. And number two is I think about the percentages of what people are doing on social media, like you said. And I told them like 10, maybe 10% of people are actively posting regularly like me, probably another 20 to 30% are like posting stuff every now and then. And there's probably at least 50% who never post anything. They're just lurkers and they're consumers and they need stuff to consume. So there's plenty of room for you if you have yeah. great content. I think one really important takeaway, I would, I would want anybody thinking about a personal brand to think about at least is Digital marketing, the way that I bring it, there are three core strategies. I've, I've lots of little frameworks and tools that I use, but this is one of the most important ones that a digital strategy would be made up of three core strategies. There's a short-term strategy, which is really built around 
a lot of the time it's ads or retargeting ads. So if you want people who have a problem to find you, to connect, then maybe ads are a good way to do it. Yep. But it's not the way to do it. Despite what a lot of Facebook ads specialists will tell you, it's not the way to do it. And it's not necessarily the first way to do it. It's just the short-term element. The medium-term element is things like social media, social networking, um, content marketing, in terms of the kind of stuff that you'll just naturally do on Instagram or LinkedIn. And it's medium term because if you start it today, it might take several months before it has any impact for you. And for a lot of people, that's where they stop. Mm -hmm. But the long-term investment, and if you were in the financial services business, you would be talking about, okay, long-term investments, you're looking at compound interest over time. And if you start it today, it's the thing that will put clear blue water between you and your competition. Yeah. But maybe only in two years time. Right. And, and that is things like a podcast, mm -hmm. YouTube channels, mm -hmm. books, events. Yep. Because no, these no. are the things, <laughs> and, and podcasts, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because these are the things that would build a massive footprint as far as Google's concerned. Yeah. But they also attach authority to you. You, you become an authority through association with your platform. But more importantly, this is particularly the case for YouTube, because I've done some research with people I know who have made this investment. Hmm. It will feel like a complete waste of time, probably for about a year and a half, two years. Hmm. Podcasting is very similar, but they're, but I think the, ancillary benefits of podcasting are greater than with YouTube yep. in terms of the network that you can build alongside it, yep. where the podcast itself is really just a byproduct for people like you and me at the moment. Yeah. But the vehicle to network. Yeah. But the long-term benefit is you become unassailable in, in your market because you are the guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I know people who have built YouTube channels in some strange spaces. And they all tell me, yeah, it took about a year and a half and I was getting very little traction. Yeah. But then one day everything flipped mm -hmm. and that became the main source of revenue. Mm -hmm. Not the monetization in YouTube, but the exposure that it built, the authority that it built. Yeah. So most people never bother with those long-term investments. Yeah. Patience, just like Gary Vee talks about all the time. Yeah. Patience. But if you, if you want to build a personal brand business, don't be lured by the quick wins in yep. the short and medium term. Yep. Always have this balanced portfolio of the short term stuff, the medium term stuff. Don't neglect the long term stuff. Yeah. And it's hard. It's where the down and dirty hard grind has to happen. But oh my God, if you actually do it, yep. that's where the real payoff will be. It pays off. Totally. Okay. Now I'm going to go back to, and we got to wrap this up in a second, but I'm going I'm to go back to uh, the 2018 Youpreneur Summit. And one of my most memorable lines was from the guy who did the talk about YouTube, uh, who had the menswear line. You remember him? Uh, I do. I follow yeah. him on Instagram. Oh, you do? Yeah. He had a really, a really popular uh, YouTube channel. It makes tons of money from it. Uh, and he said something that I've repeated to people about YouTube, about podcasting, about everything. And it was near the very end of his talk. It's the only thing I remember. And he said, and he said, like, after everything he, all the advice he gave, he said, and remember, 
your first 100 videos are practice. Yeah. And that's it. And it's the same for podcasting. It's like, you, you don't need, don't feel the pressure that you have to be polished and get all this engagement and successful in the first couple of times you do it. It's all practice and you're going to be learning and pivoting and changing all the time. Just like we talked about with your business, like I've done with my business, like that guy did with his business and like everybody does uh, who is successful because they didn't feel forced to stick in one lane or be, you know, be successful out of the gate. You just, you learn as you go on and get better. Yeah. And don't forget in any investment, you have compound interest and mm -hmm. that's exactly applies to this as well. That yep. The one or two videos, the hundred videos, it may not change your life, but you keep it going and it will have a big impact over time. And that goes for podcasting as well. I've heard that many times that people were just about to give up and then something happened and their yep. business changed. The podcast was the same, but their business changed. Yep. Beautiful. That's what's happening to me now. Love it. Mm. Um, Bob, we got to wrap up this side of the conversation. Um, I think we're going to flip the script soon. Um, but uh, for anybody listening who wants to follow you, uh, where's the best place to go to do that? You will find my podcast at amplifyme.fm. And that will also take you into the podcast section of my main business website. So you'll find everything there. And if people want to connect with me, you'll find me at Bob Gentle on every social media platform. And I would love to connect. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Bob, for coming on the Andy Stort Show. And uh, I'll see you on your podcast soon. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really can't wait to connect with anybody that wants to. Awesome. All right. Take care.